I'm actually planning, I think, to sleep through the movie tonight. Um, so, uh, so this is just kind of my reflections on this. And I, I know I've talked about this before, but I didn't have time to look at for my old notes. But I love this. I, I actually love this topic because um, I have found it so helpful. And there's this, in, in Buddhist teachings, there is a um, uh, things called the fetters, which, which keep us from, um, they get in our way of liberation. And um, when you become, when you're on the path to liberation and nirvana in, in teachings, these fetters drop away. And one of the fetters is uh, getting caught up in, in views and getting caught up in, in rigidity. And so this is actually one of, the, one of the things to investigate while you're on the path to liberation and freedom. Um, fixed views are these ways we have framed our understanding in the world, how we create a point of view to see the world. Um, and we all have one. They're based on our, our, uh, our uh, acculturation. They're based on our growing up. They're based on our likes and dislikes. They're based on something we heard this morning. I mean, so the, the word is fixed, but they're really impermanent. They, they move all the time. That When we say they're fixed, it's because we have them um, in our minds about the way things should be. That word should is, is a key, key one in this um, uh, reflection. Uh, we have expectations. And we create scenarios in my, our minds about the way things should be. Especially, a lot of times, um, we see someone or we hear something and we, we have we create a story about that person. Do you ever do that? You know, you see somebody and you go, Oh, they're blah 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 and you don't you've never spoken to them. You don't have any clue. Um, I and then you hear something out of your mouth and you're shocked because they don't meet your expectations, your worldview, your your um, idea. I was and we met some okay. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a geek, and I love this show, American Ninja Warrior. And I go to the tapings when they're in Los Angeles. And I've met, we've met some people. We've met some people who... That's true. We've met some people who come from Stockton. It's a couple who comes from Stockton. And um, we met them at the taping in... Um, in Los Angeles, and then we went, my husband and I went to the finals in Vegas a few weeks ago, and they were there, plus this lady we met from Berkeley, plus this guy from North Carolina. I mean, it's a weird thing. Anyway, um, so we were hanging out with these people, and we just see them, and we talk to them, and we chit-chat, you know, not about much, and then um, we'd seen them for days, and then um, I, one of them, I think, I think the, the, the woman was saying, so what other shows do you like to watch, reality shows? And we're like, well, we don't really like reality shows very much. I said, we really like The Daily Show. 
And the husband looked at us and said, oh, well, then we can't hang out. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and my head was going, wow, I didn't have you pegged for that at all because you fit this certain view. You look a certain way and you talk a certain way. And so I assumed you would also like The Daily Show. And if people like The Daily Show, then you presume a whole bunch of other shit about it too. <laughs> Right? And, and if you don't like The Daily Show, then you presume this amount of stuff about people. And I was really taken aback by that, but it's like, oh, look at how the mind sets up these things. It just creates these ideas and scenarios. It's, it's just the mind doing what the mind does. It's organizing the brain. This is Rick Hansen talks about this a lot. And he says this is, you know, this goes back to some, uh, the amygdala and the evolution of our brain two, three hundred million years ago. It's, it's just how the brain compartmentalizes things and categorizes and it kind of, it's, oh, I'm not going to start explaining it, but it's kind of a background, a background thing in the brain to give us a shorthand for navigating the world. Except it's, that's great, but when it becomes really uh, a, a should, a have to, a must, then we create suffering for ourselves. These fixed views we have are, what are they? They are um, fixed. Ah, we haven't had the mariachis in a while. <laughs> um, they have quinceañeras across the street, and sometimes the mariachis practice outside before they go in. It's been a long time. Anyway, um, sorry. Uh, the, uh, the, these fixed views are, what are they? They are, doo -doo 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 -doo. this is bad. This is good. You know? This is wrong. This is right. This should happen. This should not happen. This thing should not be here. It's been six weeks already. It should be, I asked them to move it and they still haven't moved it. So I can get all bent out of shape about this should not be here. I said to get it out of there. This should, this, um, for those of you on the podcast, there's a big giant scaffold in the room here and a hole in the ceiling. Um, and it's been here for six weeks and it should not be here. And um, so I can get all bent out of shape I can get angry, I can get worked up, because it should not be here. I told them to do it in my fixed view. Not that I identify it as a fixed view. I just am in the surety of my belief. But it causes when I get angry about it, when anger shows up, then there's some discomfort. Then there's some unease about how I'm, I'm being in the world. And this is all about these teachings. The Buddha says this is about ending suffering wherever it shows up. Not just grand suffering, but I really think it's important to pay attention to the small little pinpricks that we have throughout the day where we're caught up in creating this discontent for ourselves. So if I get caught up in this, this should not be here. I walked in here this morning and um, or I can say, okay, I asked them to take it out. It's still here. All right, next step. Call a Monday morning. So there's a difference when I get, I, I let go of the should, must, 
bad, wrong, and go into, this is the way it is. I offered that instruction throughout the meditation. Right now it's like this. Right now it's like this. And in the, in the Buddhist teachings of mindfulness, there's an there's a investigation of when things are pleasant or unpleasant. Oh, unpleasant to see that here. Okay, I recognize that. I don't have to react to it, but I, my response to it will be to take care of it on Monday, to give them another call and say, can you please come and take this out? So there's, can you see the distinction between the two things? It's, it's really quite um, important to start investigating our own lives and to see where we get caught up in these things, these shoulds, these musts, these, these have-tos. And as I said, they, a lot of them are installed when we're children. Um, you know, we're taught certain ways to behave. Or we read things in books or see things in media and say, oh, that is cool. You know, that is cool. I want to be cool, so I need that. That is uncool. Anybody in here ever do a cool or uncool thing? <laughs> I gave a talk years ago saying there's no such thing as cool because it's all made up. It's all made up. I have a, a story, I, some of you may have heard this, I used, to do, I used to be an archaeologist and I would go overseas and it got to the point where I realized I didn't want to do it anymore. And, but I said, but that's cool. It's cool to be an archaeologist because everybody would, I, they'd say, what are you doing? I'd say, I'm an archaeologist. And they'd go, oh, that's so cool. So I knew it was cool. <laughs> I have never been cool in my life. I had one, one thing I was holding on to that was cool. And here I was going to walk away from it. And then I wouldn't, I would be so uncool. And it was like this rigid, fixed idea that I needed to have. And so it got to the point, I was... I was miserable. I was going to Syria every year, and I was miserable. And I go, I can't do this anymore. But even though I was miserable, I still went back the next year. I only went back for three weeks. But I wrote in really large letters in my journal, remember, you don't want to be here. Because it was so hard to let go of that idea. I'm an archaeologist. It makes me cool. Blah, blah, blah. Finally, I let it go. It was, it was when I actually started working here, when we opened, when we, Against the Stream was founded and we opened this place and I moved out of my prior life into this one. Okay, so fast forward a few years and I was in this writing workshop and I wrote about this and I was reading it aloud and um, when I finished my piece, the teacher was giving me feedback and then she said, as an aside, she goes, it's so funny what you think is cool. And I said... What do you mean? She goes, like, archaeology. And I went, but it is cool. And she said, but not in my world. And I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what? I had no idea. I thought, we, we get into this idea of universals, that this is the truth, the absolute truth, that this is how it must be. We get so caught up in rigidity around these things. Um, and what the teachings are, the teachings say, no, let go of the fixed views. Those fixed views cause suffering. How much suffering did I experience, discomfort, unhappiness, by doing the stuff I didn't want to do because I was caught up on a label, a need to look a certain way, that self-view, 
you have to see me. I have finally, my whole life, searching to be cool, and I found something, and now I, you have to look at me, and you have to see me a certain way, because then I will have self-worth, or then I will feel good about myself. based on whatever kind of stories I made up growing up or that I was fed by the culture in which I lived. Because these messages come from all places and our brains just take them and kind of... Another one. This caused me great suffering too, and you're going to laugh, but it's true. How often do we do this kind of stuff? I spent, this was over 20 years ago, I was, I was walking up and down the aisles of Ralph's in Sunland, because I lived in Sunland at the time, and I was going back and forth. I was in the frozen food aisle looking at the frozen corn and going, uh, and then going over to the fresh food aisle and looking at the fresh corn, and then going back and forth between fresh and frozen, because somewhere in my head it was implanted. You're a better, you're morally a better person if you buy fresh vegetables than if you buy frozen vegetables. I don't know where that came from, but I was back and forth in the supermarket, back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden I realized, who made that rule? I asked my, it, it's moment of clarity. I had this, what did they call it, this, this clarity of mind to ask the question, who made that rule? And the answer was Mary. And then I went, oh, probably not a good rule. <laughs> and I was able to let it go. And I bought the frozen corn because I wanted corn, but I didn't know when I was going to cook it. And I don't want to buy vegetables and then throw them away because I didn't get to it. And I bought the frozen corn. And I have had, when I've told the story in class a couple of I have had many people send me an article saying, fresh corn is actually more beneficial than, or frozen is actually more beneficial than fresh. Because the, the nutrients are fresh, are frozen into them at the vine rather than sitting in a truck. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> but you can send that to me if you see it again. But anyway, um, but these little things that we get caught up in that we cause our so much, we cause ourselves so much discomfort. We cause others. We get into stereotyping others too. We believe the mythology that we're taught in our society about different types of people. Right now, immigration. The labels that, that immigrants are painted with, but only particular immigrants, not all immigrants. You know, people who are coming over the border or Muslim immigrants. You know, where pictures are painted to give, to ensure that you have a particular point of view so that you will feel a certain way about certain categories of human beings. Anytime that happens, it causes harm. It causes harm to those people, it causes harm to you. It's a harmful thing. That's why fixed views are so dangerous. And the Buddha says, the Buddha says, we have to let go of those fixed views. We cannot get caught up in them. They're so harmful. They can cause so much damage in so many ways. Wars are caused by that. Absolute. So, so much pain and suffering is caused by these fixed views. 
there is um, so how we begin to work with this is we can begin to pay attention which is why which is what really meditation is about this practice of insight meditation is learning to pay attention you start paying attention while you're sitting you start paying attention to your mind you pay attention to the stories that your mind is telling you and you then perhaps can see more clearly you begin to develop this clarity of mind this right view seeing things for what they are that things are impermanent that things just are what they are and when you begin to have this clarity and you begin to recognize when you are uncomfortable when there is suffering present for you or Donald I, my latest favorite uh, uh, translation of dukkha is reactivity when you begin to see how you're just reacting instead of responding you're just on autopilot oh that's good that's bad that's wrong that's right being real judgy about stuff I have come to see it. things that I have been judgy about I have found myself doing somewhere along the line I was with some uh, hanging out with a couple of friends yesterday and we were talking about this so now we've learned to just like let go of that because I'm going to find myself doing it sooner or later. Snarky, judgy, not, you know, like, no, that's really harmful. You should, we, we can't be having that. That's a different scenario, absolutely. Um, but that judging mind, that critical mind, and we do it to ourselves. How often do you judge yourselves? That's, that was the instruction in meditation. Let go of that judgment. Let go of that critique and allow it to unfold. Right now it's like this. Right now it's like this. That is the way to begin to work through this. Allow things to unfold. This is not bad or good. It just is, but it needs to be taken care of. Can we begin to greet things as they are without slapping labels on them? Right now it's like this. With the wisdom and the discernment to know when things are harmful. Always have to have the caveat of, you know, it's not about accepting injustice. Saying, yes, this is happening. And it's harmful. And what do we do to end it? The creating an extra level of suffering for ourselves is, in the second arrow, I'm doing a day long on this in a few weeks, about this second level of suffering we create by saying, you know, allowing those emotions to overtake it. It shouldn't be like this. It is like this. It shouldn't be. Yes, fine, but it is. That extra level of frenzy and anxiety that we cause ourselves is what we're talking about here. Recognizing that shit happens. Shit's going to happen in this world. It just is because it's... Uh, uh, what's happening? It's life happens. Loss, gain, praise, blame, pain, pleasure. They both, they all come. They move back and forth. Right now it's like this. Right now there's pleasure. Right now there's difficulty. 
right now? What is this? This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Can we be with what is? The difficulties as well as the pleasant. And some people find it difficult to be with the pleasant. Then there's the judgment. Oh, uh, unworthy. I'm not worthy. I can't have this. You know? Instead of actually being in the moment, we are totally with our experience. We open to it. We open to whatever is present with the equanimity, with the solidity of our practice, holding us, this, this practice that we've developed on the cushion in our meditation, this ability to be at ease with whatever arises, with this solid foundation that we sit on. So wise, so important. So, um, necessary for liberation. In the, in the, um, the metta sutta, the metta, metta means loving kindness or goodwill. In the sutta on, um, cultivation of loving kindness, this is what, uh, this is what should be done. It's like, oh. This is what one does when one is wise. Um, and I, I didn't write it down, but there's a there's a line in there that talks about um, not holding to fixed views. We don't hold to fixed views about people or things. There's freedom in that. We 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 bring we um, we turn towards the entire world, omitting none, and, and face them with goodwill, wishing goodwill for all beings, young, old, born, dead, not yet born, all beings, omitting none, not holding to fixed views. We, we greet them with goodwill. Anytime we get caught up in the shoulds and the musts and the bads and the good, we have aversion. We're caught up in aversion. Which the Buddha says is not what we want to do. Wanting good all the time, wanting what we want, is how we create suffering. Letting go of that craving is how we become um, free. where the liberation lies. I like to talk about um, living with an undefended heart, um, which is letting go of fixed views, letting go of preferences. It's about being able to be with whatever arises. I love, the, I love the definition of equanimity, a deep intimacy with our experience, without preference. A deep intimacy with our experience. Not needing it to be a certain way. To be at ease with whatever comes up. It's, it's profound, it's profoundly powerful as well. And the freedom is there because if I don't have to make sure this is sitting here rather than here, there's a freedom there. 
doesn't have to look to a certain way. I can, I can face unpleasant things because I don't need them to be different because I can hold them. Because I know it's part of how, it's part of our world. It's part of our life. It's part of the human condition. The Buddha said there is suffering, birth, death, sickness, old age, being separated from what we love. It's going to hurt. Say hi to it. And bring compassion to it. So we don't have to be like, oh, it hurts, I know I'm telling you. We soften to our experience as well. We bring kindness and compassion. That goodwill, that metta-sutta, it's for ourselves as well as other beings because we are included in all beings. Oftentimes we don't include ourselves, but we get, we're, we're part of that, that club. Really important, important to be part of that club. So, what is this? What is this? What is this is an important question. Rick Hansen talks about how we let go of these things. He says, um, when you're in this place, find your, when you find yourself in this place of should or judgment or must, and you recognize it because it's unpleasant, because you're angry, because whatever's arising, stop. Be willing to pause and ask yourself, begin to deconstruct it and say, is this really true? Is fresh corn really better than frozen corn? Is being an archaeologist cool? I don't know. Find out what is causing you suffering and ask yourself, is it true? Can you let it go? A lot of times, as I said with, oh no, I was earlier this morning I was talking about, many times when we turn towards something and we point the finger at it and we identify it, it dissipates. That's, you know, when, when the Buddha achieved his awakening that night and, and, and Mara, the personification of, of evil in, or the devil in Buddha's teaching, saw that and, and Mara was like, been out of shape, saying, no, we can't have this. He sent all kinds of things to the Buddha, incense, or incense, you know, um, horrific things, and then he sent tempting things, and then he threw doubt at the Buddha, and the Buddha's like, dude, I see you. I see what this is. I see this craving for what it is. I see this aversion for what it is. It's, it's, it's a need for things to be different from what they are, and I am totally cool with being the way it is. And so Mar turned around and went, and walked away. Mara came back throughout the Buddha's life. It wasn't that, that the Buddha disappeared, the Mara disappeared. The Buddha was a human. The Buddha was a, a human being. He was an awakened being. He he saw things clearly. He had a, a clear grasp on the nature of existence. But he didn't. But he had a clear grasp on the nature of existence. But he wasn't a deity. He wasn't any kind of supernatural creature. 
And Mara came back and he'd just go, I see you. I see, you know, we, we, um, we, my, one of my favorite phrases is we invite the demons in for tea. Those things that, we're so, that, that are coming after us. It's like, no, this can't be this way. Those emotions, perhaps, that are, that are nipping at our heels. That we're like, eh, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? I'm going shopping. That'll fix it. Or whatever it is. Instead of saying, no, no, push you away, you're not okay, you're not allowed, you're not allowed, we go, oh, come on in, have some tea, have a seat. Right now it's like this, you know? Zen mind, beginner's mind, I think it's like, what is this? What is, we ask the question, oh, what is this? There's curiosity in our experience. Instead of putting a barrier saying, no, this is not okay, we go, what is this? You see how expansive that is? When we put up barriers, we're like this. We're constricted, we're shut down. And we've made probably some poor choices because we've created this scenario of how things should be and when they're not the way we want them to be, we shut down. But we don't really have a clue. I, I like to say I have a pea brain. It's this big, but my experience is ginormous. And when I'm, when I'm defending my little territory, I miss out. And I'm defending, you know, Don Quixote and his swords and his windmills. It's the same thing. Can I let go of that? When we let go of that and recognize that there may be fear there, but we don't, we say, oh, hello, fear. Hello, fear. It's okay and stay present and stay with what's arising in this moment. Because it changes. It changes for a moment. And we, as Rick Hansen says, then we begin to rewire our brain. We move in a different direction. We, we, we're more expansive. There, there's a, uh, a spaciousness to our breathing. We're not so defended. We're not so constricted. That heart does, I don't have to protect my, my turf don't have to protect my turf. Doesn't mean we put ourselves in harm's way. That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't mean we're not wise in our actions. It doesn't mean people are not held accountable for their actions. It doesn't mean when we see people causing harm, we don't work to end harm. It's not what any of this means. It means we recognize that that harm is there, and we say, okay, this is what's happening. What do we do? And I wish you goodwill, but you can't come near me. We invite people into our hearts, but not into our home, if it's not, if they're sociopaths. Yeah, who's, yeah no sociopaths coming to my house for dinner, thank you. So, um, that's how we find our way with it. Any questions about this? Thoughts? Rebuttal. Okay. So what I want to do is all your all favorite thing to do is I want to invite you to move into groups of three or four. So why don't you just move into groups of three or four, find some compadres and connect with them, if you would, please. You might have to move. You might have to turn around. 
thank you for doing that. Um, any anything come up for anyone that they'd like to share or ask a question about or reflect on? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of think that intuition and Arthur is like fixed people in control. And he said, well, I think I for myself, I try and control this because it was safer. Mm-hmm. You know where to go. Yeah. Fixed equals control. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you can turn it off, Juan. Thanks. I'll say, uh huh. Yeah, it does keep coming, but eventually it dissipates. I mean, it might take years. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So that you know, Dalai Lama said, check in with your spiritual practice every ten years or so. Some of this stuff takes a long time because it's really deeply ingrained in us. It's the roots are so deep, the neural pathways are so solid, the rigid, the the dis, you know. It's like you ever have a really fine necklace gets all tangled up. It's like sometimes you just—I don't care if it's twenty-seven karat gold; it's out in the garbage, you know. Because it's—it's. It's, I mean, I've wanted to bang my head against the wall for relief. Um, so, but it, but it does, it does eventually, yeah. So, yeah. So I listened to a couple of the guys in the group here. They're kind of like, they have goals, like career goals. So I was wondering, is there, besides having a fixed view to achieve a career goal, can there be a less than fixed view to achieve some career goals, or maybe a flexible, flexible uh, view? Um, thank you for that question. I, I don't. I don't think um, having a career goal necessarily has to be a fixed view. It can be. A, we have. We all have goals. We all have uh, things we want in our life, um, whether it's grand or, or small. I mean, it could be simple. I really want pizza for dinner. I mean, that kind of thing. But we. What we have to be careful about is our our, our expectations. You know, when I have, if I achieve this, then this will be true. It's like I, if I get the degree or I get the job or the promotion, I will merely have the job or promotion, and then I'll say, and now what's this? And to be cautious of, you know, we do the work and we let go of the results. It's the the fixed ideas when we get caught up in what it's supposed to be, and. Um, just really being present with our what's happening because sometimes we have a goal but as we get closer to it we may come to the realization that actually that's not quite it I have a friend who has um, she she was living in New York she got her uh, associate's degree she moved went down to San Diego State um, she just got her master or excuse me her bachelor's she's in um, in uh, special education and she's, you know, her folks are like, yeah, you're going to do your master's and she's got all these places she might apply to, but she's like, I just want to be a bartender. I love being a bartender. <laughs> and and she's at this real, real, real crossroads and it's like, you know, the, the shoulds are, well, you've come this far, you should keep going. And she's like, I just want to be a bartender. You know, so to really be cautious of goals and even getting stuck in those goals and, and just 
playing it um, um, softly with what's happening, staying present, staying attuned to what your experience is, is really, and then recognizing when, you know what, I may never be commissioner of baseball. <laughs> really wanted that. <laughs> Did nothing to achieve it, but I would still like to be it. And can I, it, you know, I might have to just let that go. So that's 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 how we kind of approach that. Hopefully that makes sense. But it's, but having those dream, those goals are not. It's not antithetical to the, these teachings at all. Desire is not a bad word in Buddhism. Okay, craving, attachment, not so good. You know, I love to have this. I have to have this. Two different things. Wanting it, having to have it is is. I must. I would really like to have this. If it doesn't happen, I'm okay. Sadness, all right. I'll get over it. But I have to have it. I must have it. You will be punished because I didn't get it. You know that you get into that trip, or I'm so bad because I didn't. You know. Certain forms of psychotherapy are using Buddhist ideas like that. Yeah, that. Like the irrational mode of behavior therapy, the lust of shit, and the Okay, yeah. You know, Buddhism around a long time, and um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And it's not, I'm not claiming that Buddhism has all the answers. There's a lot of stuff that's common to a lot of, a lot of um, philosophies, psychologies, teachings, so... But the, the systematic way the Buddha goes about it is really extraordinary, I think. I have, a, I have a, a line I wrote here. Reality exists in spite of our rules. You know, so, you know, it, it's it, reality. Don't, you're always going to lose that fist fight with reality. So just come to terms with that and be kind with yourselves. And um, I, that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you for 